0: in a circle of men, we had just pushed ourselves through an intense workout, and as we stood there, catching our breath as the giant beads of sweat dripped off of our faces and our arms and our legs, one of those men said, it's not supposed to be this way. And he didn't mean the workout. He didn't mean the soreness that he felt in his shoulders. No, what he meant was the frustration that he felt over a friend who had shared with him that his young daughter, 10, 11 years old, had to endure all these different medical procedures, tests, treatments she had to endure them these difficult treatments and now they were waiting for a hospital room to open up so that she could continue her rehabilitation he meant the way that it still tore at his heart ripped it apart the terror and the tragedy that occurred in uvalde texas at a school just a couple months ago He meant the stories that had been shared around that circle of men, stories of cancer and disease and family hardships, the struggles that they all faced. It's not supposed to be this way. And I kind of agreed with him. Especially because this week I read an article about a Somali woman named Hawa Abdi. You see, in our world, because of a culmination of things, long drawn out pandemics, supply chain issues, shortages inflation skyrocketing, the effects that have taken place on global economies and the war in Ukraine, aid agencies aren't able to get food to the poorest people of this world. And so there was a picture of Hawa holding her famished one-year-old daughter over the recently dug gravesite of her two-month-old son. It isn't supposed to be this way. And maybe you have that friend. You know, that friend that really doesn't go to church, doesn't really think that it's worthwhile, why would you? It seems pretty foolish to them to, to read this ancient book that really doesn't seem to apply to modern-day life. And maybe this is one of the reasons why. Because they tell you that they can't believe in a God who claims to be loving and gracious and compassionate. And yet look out in this world and see the things that happen. Maybe they ask you for an answer. And what answer do you give? And maybe they even know that in this this book that you adhere to, the Bible, that there are some promises from that supposedly good, gracious, compassionate God. Promises like the one we just heard. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And they wonder, how can that be? What do you do when life isn't the way it's supposed to be? Now, What I like to do, I want to try to take things into my own hands. If there's a problem, then I want to fix it. And I'm going to find a solution. But some problems are just too big for my hands. Uh, the problems that I just listed off, I, I can't do anything really about those. And so it seems that the only thing that my hands are good for when those problems come is to throw them up in the air in disgust and frustration and anger or to bury my face in those hands. And so I think it's important for us to take a look at Hezekiah this morning. This king of the southern kingdom of Judah. And it's his life, it's his rule that's going to serve as a reality check for us today. And I want to share with you what the inspired historian wrote about this king of God's people. This is from an earlier chapter. It says this about Hezekiah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made, for up to that time the Israelites had been burning incense to it. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. Hezekiah did it right. He did what he was supposed to do. When he came into power, he made changes, good changes. He ignited a religious revival among the people of Judah. He returned them back to the true Lord and and he eliminated the opportunities that there were for idol worship. The Lord was with him. And so life in Judah seemed to be going very well until it wasn't. Until the northern kingdom of Israel fell. It was in Hezekiah's sixth year of rule that Samaria was destroyed by the Assyrian army. And then in his 14th year of rule, Sennacherib, who was the new king of Assyria, he brought his army into Judah. And so Hezekiah paid him off with gold and silver to protect his people. But it wasn't long before that army was back, camped outside of Jerusalem. And they intimidated and taunted the people to get them to give up betray their country, rebel against their king, forget their God, and surrender. And this is the message that Sennacherib said to Hezekiah. He said, Do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says, Jerusalem will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. This is verse 11. Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely. And will you be delivered? Did the gods of the nations that were destroying, were destroyed by my predecessors deliver them? And the expected answer to those questions is no. No one had been able to stand up to the Assyrian army. They were ruthless. They had a thirst for conquest and nothing was going to get in their way. You couldn't outmaneuver them, outsmart them, or overpower them. Everyone fell. No one survived. And so the people of Jerusalem found themselves surrounded. Their city laid siege with no hope, no possibility that they could survive. It isn't supposed to be this way. But Hezekiah had done it right. He served the Lord. It wasn't supposed to be like this. Can you imagine how much it would have stung to hear that insult from Sennacherib when he said, do not let the God you depend on deceive you. And isn't that the question that's on our minds when life isn't the way it's supposed to be? Has God deceived me? Do I really depend on the right things in my life? Should I depend on God when, when he promises things like, like this? That if God is for us, who can be against us? That nothing can separate us from the love of God. That in all these things, I am more than a conqueror. Really? I've had people come up to me and say, Pastor, do you really believe those things? Because my friends don't. And when I turn on the nightly news, it doesn't seem to give evidence that backs that up. And maybe sometimes you you hear that little voice in your head or in your heart and it's it's asking you, should, should you really listen to God? Should you really depend on him? Is he really going to come through for you? To help with those questions, there is a reality that we need to understand. It really isn't. Supposed to be this way. Life really isn't supposed to be so hard. If there was to be a giant scale of our lives, and and on one side there was going to be joy, and on the other side there was going to be sad, sadness, then it should be very, very heavy on the joy side. All joy. This this life, it's supposed to be enjoyable. It's it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be free of of stress and and pain and suffering. And so go ahead. Agree with your friends. You're right. It isn't supposed to be this way agree with them and and agree with their desire for change because what this world is supposed to be is a far, far cry from what it is. But if there is a way that this world is supposed to be, then that implies that there is someone who has designed it to be that way. There is someone who has designed it for a purpose and for the joy in your life. And so the deception that we need to avoid is to ignore the reason why this world isn't the way it's supposed to be. Humanity was deceived, but it wasn't by God. And when humanity bought into the lie that God was holding out on them, that there was something more, something more to learn, something more to know, something more and greater to experience. And so then Adam and Eve, they, they ate that fruit. They ate that fruit because they bought into the lie that God had deceived them. They ate that fruit that brought the experiences of evil, of sadness, of pain, of suffering, of murder, of hate, of famine. This world that we live in, it is a fallen world and we need to understand why. And really that very same thought is at the heart of all of our own sins, right? That God is somehow holding out on me. That there's something more for me if I go above and I go beyond what God has said is good. You think about the nation of Israel. They were intended to be God's beacon of light to the nations around them. But they decided that there was more, something more that they could get from the idols and the false gods of those other nations. Instead of the true God, the Almighty God, who had redeemed them, called them his own. And that brought Assyria to their door. That brought a problem too big for them to handle. And Hezekiah serves as a positive reality check because when this problem came, this problem that was too big for his hands, he put that problem into God's hands. Hezekiah didn't throw them up in the air in anger or disgust. He lifted them up in praise to his God. He didn't bury his face in those hands, but he folded them in trust And he prayed and hezekiah's prayer serves as a wonderful model for us it starts in verse 15. hezekiah prayed lord the god of israel enthroned between the cherubim you alone are god over all the kingdoms of the earth you have made heaven and earth give ear lord and hear open your eyes lord and see Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. And then he finishes, Now Lord our God, deliver us from his hand, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. And so there's four points that I want to draw out from Hezekiah's prayer, a way that it can serve as a model for us. First of all, Hezekiah acknowledged God's almighty power. He acknowledged that he was the creator over this entire world, and as the creator, he still wielded power. Secondly, Hezekiah invited God to see to hear, to listen, to observe, to be in tune with God's people and their problems. Hezekiah invited God to then act. And number three, Hezekiah opened himself up to God's guidance and direction. He opened himself up to what God would do with that problem and in that situation. And finally, number four, Hezekiah desired God's proclamation. He desired God's own glorification. He didn't want this for the glory of Israel, for the glory of Judah, for the glory of Hezekiah, but so that the nations would know that the Lord is God. When life isn't the way it's supposed to be, Hezekiah's prayer serves as a beautiful model And God heard, God saw, God observed, and this is what God said and did about Sennacherib. This is what he says about the king of Assyria. This is starting in verse 32. He will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way that he came, he will return. He will not enter this city, declares the Lord. I will defend this city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. And did you notice that last line? God didn't do this for Hezekiah. He he didn't do it because Hezekiah had done what was right, what he was supposed to do. God did it for his own sake. Because he is a good and gracious, compassionate God who loves his people. And God did it for the sake of David, his servant. And whenever you hear the name David in the Bible... God wants you to think back not only to that historical King David that God's people had, a man who was after the Lord's own heart, but he wants you to think back to the promises that God made to that David. That there would be an eternal king who would rule on his throne. And God delivered on that promise in the person of Jesus. Jesus came to this earth as an exceptional human being. He did what was right. He did what he was supposed to do. He was a man of compassion, a man of love, a man of grace. He constantly showed concern for others. He served them in humility. He defended those who were marginalized by society. He performed miracles of healing and provision, and grace, and he asked for nothing in return except for simple faith and trust to follow me. And it was that man, that man full of grace and compassion and love and kindness, that man who who spoke clearly about God's expectations, but also God's amazing forgiveness. It was that man who was arrested and mocked and beaten and hung up on a tree to die. Do you think that in the midst of all of that Jesus ever said it's not supposed to be this way? Like he had every right. I mean justice is not supposed to be that way. except that in God's incredible and perfect plan to save you, that was exactly the way it was supposed to be. The innocent for the guilty. Jesus, the very Son of God, taking on the sins of all his people. Your eternal King wearing a crown of thorns. So that you could receive the crown of life it was exactly the way it was supposed to be because of god's grace romans 8 speaks another promise in romans chapter 8 we heard he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things Dear friends, Jesus is how you know that God does not desire to deceive you. God is not into deception, but you can depend on God. Jesus is the reason. Jesus is the reason that you know that when God speaks, he speaks truth for your good. Jesus is the reason that you know that in all things, All things, the good, the bad, the ugly, the miserable, all things, God can take his miraculous power and work it in some way, some amazing, wonderful, wise way for your good. Jesus is the reason that you can trust fully and completely in your God even when life isn't the way that it's supposed to be. And so, dear friends, we don't have all the answers to all the questions about this life. We do have a God who is good and gracious and compassionate, and we have a Savior who has done all that was necessary for us so that in Jesus you also have a promise of a place where you will dwell for all eternity, where every single day will be exactly the way it is supposed to be. And so when this life and this place isn't the way it's supposed to be, don't throw your hands up in anger or disgust, but lift them to the skies to praise your God. And don't bury your face in them, but fold them. With faith and trust in your God, to put your problems into his hands. And by the grace of God, may we all do just that. And all God's people said, Amen.